Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we're finishing our study of the little book of Titus. It only has three chapters, and today we're doing chapter three. Titus a young Greek uh, fellow who became Paul's friend. He was converted. He um, uh, followed Paul around on his mission journeys and helped Paul in his mission. And now at the end of Paul's career, uh, Paul's leaving Titus on the island of Crete to take over and to, to organize the church there, to set it up, and to sort of bring people together. And uh, so basically, this is a pastoral epistle. This is like Timothy and Titus were both young pastors. Timothy, like we said before, being left uh, in Ephesus for the big church there, and Titus being left on Crete. Crete was an island right in the middle of the Mediterranean or just below Greece. Uh, It's part of modern-day Greece now, Uh, kind of um, famous for its beautiful coastlines and beautiful islands, carefree living. Uh, But back in the day, they were kind of famous for uh, being a people who were always liars and lazy gluttons. Uh, That's what uh, um, Epimenides, one of their uh, writers, said about them in their day. And of course, Paul quotes him. Um, So Titus has his job cut out for him. And uh, so, in chapter 1, like we uh, reviewed before, Paul goes into um, uh, the qualifications for the elders, to setting up people, to setting up leaders. What's that look like? What's that all about? What, how does that look like? And, and as we've kind of said before, you can read Titus from the aspect of how this young pastor is supposed to take over. You can, you know, or are supposed to set the church up. You can read Titus from the perspective as to how uh, leaders lead um, and how there's to to discipline and how there's to, to get into things in the church. You can also read Titus from the perspective of, of how you and I are supposed to be, how we're supposed to set examples for one another because when you think about it we're all leaders and when you think about it we're all pastors no matter where you are in your life you have the ability to influence somebody else even if you're a kid 
You know, you've got other kids in your class. You can be the, a pastor to somebody else. You can be a leader to somebody else. You can be an example to somebody else. You can be a mother or a father, or you can be a parent. Uh, doesn't matter where you are. There's always somebody looking at you at the way you behave. And, and uh, really, um, be an example. Being an example to other people is a lot of what Paul's talking about in chapter in chapter one. Uh, chapter two, the importance of sound doctrine, the importance of what the truth is. And of course, this truth um, is the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he goes into how the truth and how the sound doctrine is lived out in how we show ourselves an example to others whether it's older men or younger men or older women or younger men, he gives, or whether you're, uh, or even uh, someone who's a bondservant, uh, someone who's uh, an employee of another person. He shows you that no matter where you are, what station in your life, he gives examples as to how you can uh, affect powerfully uh, someone else. As long as you are uh, sticking to sound doctrine and the truth, not your own uh, truth, but God's truth, not your words, but God's words, and to be self-controlled, to allow the Holy Spirit to be in control, not yourself, not to be self-centered, but to be God-centered. And so um, he talks about how you live this out. And now in verse 3, We've talked about these things. Now, the main focus of, of cha- I'm sorry, chapter 3 is to be, be ready to do every good work. That's what he's saying. To be prepared. Um, so, one of the mottos for the Boy Scouts, I remember, is always be prepared. And this is really important. Here, he says, be ready. Verse 1, chapter 3, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Okay? So this is what what uh, the Christian leaders were to do, the, the people who were to be examples for everyone else. Be submissive to rulers and authorities. You're not there to um, to be disrespectful. You're there to, to follow the authority of others because when Jesus came, he was submissive to the authorities, but he was, he was also uh, obedient to God's authority. And so um, mainly uh, obedience is really, really important. And so um, be obedient, be submissive um, for every good work. And uh, every good work is what you do, is, is, is what you do in grace, what you do through the Holy Spirit to be examples for others. And again, these good works, we studied what they look like in chapter 2. But sober-minded, dignified, self-control, sound in your faith, sound in your love, sound in your steadfastness. These are good works, loving one another, being self-controlled, being pure, working at home, being kind, being submissive to your spouse, 
loving your spouse as the Lord loves us. Showing integrity, showing dignity, showing sound speech. These are good works. And if, and if, um, um, and as McGee points out, you know, there's all these controversies about what's clean and what's unclean, you know, like under the law. And, and as, as Paul was rebuking, uh, some Peter, sometimes often it's not what goes in a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. It's what your tongue says. It's not what your tongue swallows. It's what your tongue speaks that can make you unclean. So God has already done the heavy lifting here. God has already saved us. Now we have to be ready to, to live according to his ways, his principles, and, uh, and to live out the Word of God like Jesus Christ lived out the Word of God. And to be ready at all times to live out the Word of God. It's not just on Sundays. It's not just when the sun is shining and there's a rainbow up there. It's all the time, in any event, to be ready to good work. To speak evil of no one. To avoid quarreling to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy towards all people. That's verse 2. That's a picture of living out the gospel message, of living out God's word. Verse 3, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's an example of ungodly living. Verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So, we're saved not by our own works. We're saved not because of works done by us, but according to His mercy. We're saved because He had mercy on us. We didn't deserve to be saved. We deserve to already be dead. We deserve to die. But according to His mercy and the washing of regeneration, and McGee points out that this washing is... is a, I believe Jesus points out in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. So again, this is this reference to water. And he says this water is washing us. Okay? Water washes us. And what washes us? McGee points out that it's the Word of God, the Word of God that cleanses us, that regenerates us, that renews us. Born of water, being washed by the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's what cleans us. It washes us on the outside in a physical representation, but it renews us through the Holy Spirit. We've got to be, we've got to be uh, born 
of the water and the Spirit, this washing of by the Word of God and being renewed or being born or being reborn by the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that uses the Word of God to give us a spiritual rebirth so that we are not an old person set in our old ways, being disobedient and foolish. Now we're reborn in the Spirit of God as a new creation, as a new birth. Through the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So now you've got the Holy Spirit living inside you. You don't have your old nature. You have the Spirit of God. So when God looks at you, who does He see? He sees the Holy Spirit living inside you. That's your righteousness. It's a righteousness direct from God. That's what promises that you're saved. Because the Spirit of God's living in you. So that being justified by His grace, we're justified not by our own works, but by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's what we're hoping for. This hope looks to the future. And this grace that we talked about back in chapter 2 is the grace of God. It's the grace of God in the past, the grace of God in the present, and the grace of God in the future. The grace of God in the past is what Jesus did for us. Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Okay, that's the grace of God in the past. The grace of God in the present is for us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That's We live in under God's grace in the present age. And then we have the grace of God in the future, as it says in chapter 2, verse 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the grace of God in the future. That's our hope of eternal life when Jesus Christ returns. So he's interweaving this back to what he just said in chapter 2. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Again, this is the grace of God looking toward the future according to the hope of eternal life. This is what we place our future on. That's what we place our hope for the future. That's hope in eternal life. Verse 8, the saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Okay, so we need to be ready for every good work. He just, he said it when we started out this, this chapter. And then he says to devote themselves, to be ready for good works. Now to devote themselves for good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Okay. So we got to be ready, and then we got to devote themselves to do good works. Okay? It's a call to action, to live out your faith under God's grace. He's not calling these people on Crete just to sit there and, and lay on the beach all day and say, Hey, I believe in God. It is to do good works. This is a, your Christian faith is a verb. It's not a noun. It's a verb. It's not a feeling. It's a trust, but it's an active trust. 
is to get up and, and to do good works. Let other people see them so you can be examples. Whether you're an old man, young man, old woman, young man, woman, whether you're uh, self-employed or employed or whether you're free or a bond servant, doesn't matter. Anybody can do these good works. Verse 9, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law, for they're unprofitable and worthless. These intellectual arguments never help anybody. Why? Because they don't go to the heart. They try to appeal to people's intellectual mind. But, but all that does is stir up people's pride and people's self-centeredness. Arguments don't help. They don't win the heart for the Lord. And that's what you're trying to do is win somebody's heart for the Lord. Verse 10, As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once, then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. So, if people just want to argue, and maybe there's a bunch of people on Crete who just want to argue, or maybe they have their own agendas, which is not your agenda, which is supposed to be God's agenda, then just, if you can't reach their heart with the Word of God, you're not going to reach their heart with your words. If the Word of God can't do the job, why do you think your words can do the job? Your job is to give them the Word of God and show them the Word of God through what, you, what comes out of your mouth and the actions that you do. Sometimes they might not see the Word of God when they hear it, but they might see the Word of God when they see it acted out. How important it is for us to act in a manner worthy of the Word of God. That's why he says, be ready to do good works. He didn't say, be ready to preach good sermons. He didn't say, be ready to give good Bible studies. He said, do good works. He's not. This is not a call for people to be preachers. This is a call to, to, for people to be good doers. That's what he needs us to do. That's what the foundation of this church is to be built on. Doing good works. Verse 12, when I send Artemis or Tychius to you, do your best to come to me. Okay, so um, Titus isn't expected to stay on Crete forever. He's going to get things set up. And then Paul's going to send Artemis or Tychius, whoever, you know, may be available. He's going to come and maybe relieve Titus. And then he says, do your best to come to me at Nicol, uh, Nicopolis. And my Bible uh, resource says Nicopolis was a port city in Epirus on the west coast of the Greek peninsula. Northwest of Athens. So when you're looking at Greece modern day now, uh, you've got the side on Athens. That's sort of looking out into the Aegean Sea. That would be 
Looking across that would be Asia Minor. That's where Ephesus was, the port city. So you've got the port city of Athens sort of looking out across the Aegean Sea to the port city of Ephesus on the other side. But then when you go uh, on the western coast, the west coast, you know, you got east coast, you got west coast. So you got west coast of uh, Greece. That's where Nicopolis looked across the Aeneian Sea, and that's looking over uh, towards um, Italy. So you got the Adriatic Sea coming down the Aeneian Sea. Um, so um, east coast Athens, west coast Nicopolis. And apparently um, that's where Paul was. Paul was over there. And so um, for I've decided to spend the winter there. That's where Paul was hanging out. Uh, probably on his fourth uh, or uh, fifth missionary journey. Verse 13, do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Um, now, I don't know about Zenos being the lawyer, but Apollos was apparently a popular speaker. He was mentioned in Acts and in 1 Corinthians. Maybe Paul wanted him to come over there and help out with the ministry there. Or maybe set up shop after Paul was leaving. Uh, but in any event, uh, he's um, given uh, Titus some uh, directions as to how they need to, to bring people to keep setting up the church. And uh, verse 14, let our people learn, again, the closing statement. What do you think he's going to say? Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to be helpful, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Devote themselves to good works. What do you think he would tell us to do? Devote yourself to doing good works. Do good works. You want to boil Titus down? Do good works. Did he say again, devote themselves to be preachers? No. Devote themselves to do good Bible studies? No. Devote themselves to make websites? No. Devote themselves to do good. To do good works. To good works. Why? Because if you don't, you'd be unfruitful. Where do you think what do you think produces fruit? Good works. What do you think gives a strong example to somebody else about the gospel message? Good works. What do you think leads people to Christ more? The words coming out of your mouth or, or, the, or the things that you actually do? Probably the things that you do. It's not about you. It's about Christ. Do good works in His name and be fruitful. Verse 15. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. The faith is foundational. We saw that because the knowledge of the truth, that's where your faith comes from. Faith comes from knowledge of the truth. And he opened this letter talking about the faith. He ends this letter talking about the faith. The faith comes from the word of God, the knowledge of the truth. Faith is a trust. It's not a feeling. But it's not a blind faith. 
It's not a blind trust. It's a trust in His Word. Grace. Grace from God. Grace from the gospel message of Christ be with you all. So, I hope this was helpful. Boy, it sure was instructive and and just settling to know when you boil down what we need to be doing, this little book of the Bible just gives it to you right up. So for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you next time. I believe next time, tomorrow, we're studying the book of Philemon. Or I always grew up pronouncing it Philemon, but McGee pronounces it Philemon. So in any event, uh, tomorrow's study is just one uh, chapter. That's it. So we'll cover that one tomorrow. So can't wait to do that. I've never studied it. So for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you next time. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my uh, co-host, Matali, in Zambia. Matali, I hope you're doing great. And wow, what a study this has been. I've learned a lot. And I just, and I know Matali has too. I know you have too, Matali. So we'll wait and hear what you have to say today. God bless you all. We'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Titus chapter 3. That's the last chapter, verse 1 all the way to verse 15. So today we're concluding this small little epistle of Titus. It's been great. It's been applicable both to um, individuals and to the church as well. So here in the third chapter, it talks about the church is to perform good works. So it is important, you know, as a child of God as a Christian to actually recognize what these good works are and um, you know it's important that we have to learn and to know what good works are and how um, to do them for necessary use because a lot of us tend to actually think you know because I go out there and I volunteer like um, you know at orphanages and you know I I go to the soup kitchens and I dish out food and you know I I give out um, clothes like you know that I'm not using and all you know all those for under good works yes they are good works but you know um, we ought to do you know works of faith so you know if our works lack faith then it's, it's not necessary like at all because at the end of the day God you know, our righteousness on its own without that savior is nothing to God. It's filthy rugs. So, you know, we, God doesn't want anything from us. Even if we go to him and present to him, like I have done so and so I have done this and that and that, that is nothing with, you know, to God, if there is no faith attached to it. So now here, um, you know, uh, the chapters, you know, the three chapters that we studied in this little epistle of Titus, um, it's divided into three things so you know the first thing is the church is an organization and it's to be orderly so paul gave instructions upon how the church is to function and to operate and um the second thing was the church is to be um sound in doctrine so the church is to give out sound doctrine and then the third point was the church is to perform good works and this is uh the 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 chapter that we're in right now so here at verse one chapter three of Titus, it reads, remind them to be subjects to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. So here, the first thing that's mentioned is the church must have members who are law-abiding. You know, you cannot just go out there proclaiming like, you know, um, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and you don't actually 
abide by the laws of the land that actually put in place. So as a church member, it's, you know, we lead by example. We ought to live by example and, you know, follow the laws of the land. So we ought to, you know, authorities have been put in place and, you know, say, for example, you know, there is um, places marked, you know, no parking area or this parking is only for the handicapped. Um, you know, you, you have to drive beyond, you don't have to drive beyond a certain speed limit and all. And as a Christian, it's just a good thing to actually be, you know, law abiding. If you can't even abide by the very laws that are actually put in, that govern the countries, uh, that govern the con- your country, um, how then will you keep, um, you know, God's laws? So here, um, Christians should be subject to uh, principalities and powers. So believers should obey the law of the land in which they live. If they don't, um, you know, they actually just contradict themselves. So um, here, Titus' duty, uh, okay, this is our duty and our relationship to God. This is a Christian's uh, relationship and duty to God. And um, Titus was actually given this task to go and, you know, tell the Cretans, to um you know to be law abiding and to, to to follow the laws that are put in place um because you know as christians we're subject to principalities and powers as believers and the church should teach this that the church members should be obedient to powers that be so um you know you can we cannot just like run amok and run unruly and all because it actually contradicts what um um you know the gospel actually teaches us so the church is to tell individuals to be ready and eager to perform good works and this is what is supposed to be actually preached you know it's not a matter of like oh hey um i'm doing these and these works um you know but these works actually like um oh so that and then and then you actually live um a life that's not um you know that's that's ungodly but you do these good works and you think you can actually just go there and present them to god i do these and these good works i'm a good person being a good person is not enough uh like have you accepted the lord as your lord and personal savior um how are you living your life so verse 2 of chapter 3 in titus reads to speak evil of no one to be uh, peaceable gentle showing all humility to all men so here the church should not only be ready and, you know, to do good works and eager to do good works. But it should have, you know, the church should have this eagerness to actually, yeah, to actually do the good works. It should not only be like, okay, yeah, we are ready. We are, as a church, we are ready to actually uh, do good works. It should be eager to, 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 it should be willing to actually do um, the good works. So we are not to actually repeat gossip. Um, you know, that's one of the things, uh, one of the markers of a good Christian. You know, um, once you repeat gossip... You, you just become a slanderer and um, and this is what this is here. It's saying um, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility. So, you know, don't go out there and speak evil of people. Um, you know, God hates slanderers and liars and cheats because, you know, this actually just destroys people's reputations and, and, and you know, um, you know and, um, and, you know, as a good Christian... Um, just don't go about repeating um, uh, gossip. You know, if there's no proof, there's no evidence. Um, you know, don't go about to hear something and you go and tell it to somebody else. Oh, have you heard? A, B, C, D. And then um, verse 3 goes on to read, For we ourselves are also... For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in um, malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And, you know, 
all these things that are listed here today, this is, you know, our present condition. Um, you know, this is the picture that we have today. This is the picture that we have of, you know, of any unsaved home, um, in businesses, offices, you know, even in some of our churches, which is a sad reality. It's a sad picture. And, um, you know, here, this is a picture of the unsaved person, you know, foolish, disobedient, you know, all these traits that are actually listed. This is a, you know, if you are a believer, you will, um, defend the gospel and you will live a godly way and, you know, further away from ungodliness. And all these are traits of ungodliness. So, you know, as a Christian, as a believer, um, you know, the, the opposite of what is actually said here is how we're actually supposed to live. You know, don't repeat gossip. You know, we, yeah, before our Savior, we were like unsaved and we were foolish and, and um, we were disobedient. Uh, you know, we were serving various lusts. Uh, but now, since we are now indwelt with the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit indwells us, you know, we ought to live by the fruits of the Spirit. So, um, Scripture goes on to read in verse 4, But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, uh, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So this, you know, was a picture of us before, you know, um, you know, the, the scripture that I was just, uh, that I was, uh, that was in verse three, it says, um, uh, for we ourselves were once foolish. So this was a picture of us before. And now, you know, here um, to become a Christian, it doesn't mean to turn over a new leaf because, you know, even if we go around and say, I've turned a new leaf, let me write my new, re you, you know, new resolutions, you're still the same old person. Um, to do better, better is just not good enough, you, you know, because the new resolutions are just like, oh, hey, I'm just going to do better than I did last year. You know, we are saved not by works of righteousness, but uh, because Christ did it for us. So God prepare, you know, God is always prepared to actually extend mercy to us. He is rich in mercy and we are saved because of his grace, because he loved us and he has a lot of mercy and he extended that mercy towards us and decided to save us because he sent his only son to die for us. His son who had no blemish um, or spot or wrinkle. So the penalty has been paid and, um, you know, we are anew now. So here, the word washing, um, you know, uh, here it says washing of regeneration. So there was the laver of um, regeneration. This is a picture of the laver in the tabernacle and the temple. And, you know, if we go to, to, uh, to, to John 3 verse 5, you know, Jesus there had stated, um, let me just quickly turn there. John 3 verse 5 says, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirits, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So here, you know, water here, washing away. Water represents the word of God. So the Bible will wash us um, as it's God's word. So that's what it represents. So here, scripture again read, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. So we're not saved by the works of righteousness. Like we cannot say, I've done these and these good deeds. But according to to his mercy. So we are saved according to his mercy because, you know, we are saved by the grace of God because um, we are saved according to his mercy. He saved us through 
the washing, that's the word of God, the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So we are saved by water and by spirit. So water represents the, the, the you know, uh, the word of God. So, you know, meditate upon the Bible every day. It's a good thing. It helps us grow and it helps us learn more. Um, and, you know, the Holy Spirit helps, you know, to guide us and to actually understand. So the spirit of God uses God's word. So born of water and spirit. And, you know, that's how we are born again. Because we are born by the water. That's the word of God. And the spirit of God uses that word of God to actually guide us. So, you know, the more we meditate upon it, you know, the more we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us and the more it helps us understand. So the spirit regenerates us. And, you know, one thing for me I have... Um, come to understand is you know I wasn't much of a bible reader but now you know thanks to through the bible it's actually helping me a lot and helping me to understand a lot and you know learn a lot and see things from a different perspective and you know which is a good thing and um, you know thanks to through the bible so verse 6 of scripture goes on to read whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our savior so God always has a surplus god always gives abundantly everything so he always gives exceedingly and abundantly you know when we go and seek um you know um the lord and you know we ask the lord and he go, and if the lord blesses us um you know with something god always blesses abundantly so he poured out um whom he poured out um on us he gave us this savior imagine he gave his only begotten son um, he, he, he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our savior who saved us. Um, because you know, we are nothing without Christ, you know, um, so scripture goes on to read verse seven, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So here, you know, here's this hope again, that's being talked about the blessed hope, the hope of the believer, you know, our blessed hope is the coming um, of the Lord Jesus Christ for his church. That's our hope. Um, and uh, verse 8 goes on to read, this is a faithful saying. So here again is a saying, you know, Paul goes back to the teaching again. And these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. So here, a believer is saved by the grace of God and you know, that this doesn't excuse him uh, from performing good works. So he is to perform good works. So if you are unsaved and you're doing good works, you know, God's really not interested because you're not one of his. But if you are a saved believer, um, you ought to do good works. And this interests God because you are one of his people. So, you know, doing good works and you're an unbeliever and you're hoping, oh, hey, God will actually recognize this. God won't recognize that. So the righteousness of man is filthy rugs. God doesn't want anything from us. He doesn't want it. He wants to save us. So we go before him with nothing. So God wants us to go before him with nothing because we've got nothing to offer God. I mean, we, we're, we're sinners, you know, like our hearts are black as coal. We're sinners and God wants us to actually understand that and have faith in him and then go to him. And if we perform works, good works, then God recognizes the good works. Verse 9 goes on to read, but avoid foolish disputes, uh, genealogies, contentious and striving about the law. For they are unprofitable and 
useless. So Paul said, you know, we are to defend the faith, but not in argument or debate. You know, you may argue yourself into winning a debate with, you know, somebody who's bringing out a point about, you know, maybe somebody who's um, unsaved. But, you know, if you're hoping to actually win people's hearts, um, you know, stay away from, you know, these foolish questions and genealogies. Talk about the Holy Spirit that can indwell in us because once the Holy Spirit indwells in us, nothing can come and possess us. You know, you know, great is he that is in you than the one who is actually in the world. So great is, you know, the Lord God, our personal savior. Great is he. So, you know, stay away from, you know, funny genealogies and, and ideas and all. You know, I have a, a friend of mine who's constantly talking about um, hell and demons and, you know, oh, Hades, uh, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be this and this beast and all. And, you know, she's always looking at, um, you know, like, oh, this, uh, you know, symbolism in everything. A movie comes out and she starts talking about the symbolism in it, you know, uh, the sataniness in this and... And, you know, I just find it like it's just too much. Like, why can't you talk about the good news, the gospel? You know, maybe that way it will actually draw people to God. Then, you know, yeah, always, she's always constantly arguing. And now, you know, I see like, and she should post this on social media. And she's constantly arguing with other people who are atheists. And, you know, they argue and I'm thinking, okay, and then what? You know, instead of talking about, you know, the love of God, the goodness of God, maybe you might just turn a heart or win a heart. And this is what Paul is actually talking about. Stay away from, you know, foolishness and genealogies, foolish questions and genealogies. So scripture goes on to read, reject, uh, defy a divisive man after the first and second admonition. This is what I was just from talking about. Like, you know, stay away from these arguments with these, um, you know, divisive people. Um, verse 11, knowing that such a person is wrapped and sinning, being self-condemned. Verse 12 goes on to read, When I send uh, Temas to you and Tychicus, be diligent to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. And uh, verse 12 goes on to read, Send um, Zenas, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey with haste that they may lack nothing. And let our people also learn to maintain good works to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. So here, you know, Paul gets personal. And um, here we've got, um, you know, we've got to do good works. We've got to recognize good works, learn to do good works. And this, you know, and uh, we have to learn to know what good works are um, and how to do them for, you know, necessary use as Christians. And uh, verse 15 goes on to read, all who are with me uh, all who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. And, you know, here comes the, you know, the end of um, this little beautiful, powerful book of Titus. And, you know, the application is remarkable. It's amazing. Um, you know, there's so much to learn from it. And, um, you know, this is, you know, a lot of churches were formed based on these um these um, epistles that were written, you know, as guidance for, you know, the basis of, you know, the churches today. So, yeah, um, this was the study in the book of Titus. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, I learned um, quite a lot. Thank you all for listening and God bless and bye bye.